Welcome back to the Linda Steele Show. So the Bank of Canada left interest rates unchanged today, as many people expected. But the bigger story here is its reduced forecast for economic growth this year and for both 2016 and 2017. With more on this and what it really means to you and the new federal government, I'm joined by Michael Campbell, the host of Canada's number one rated financial show, Money Talks. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Oh, my pleasure. All right, let's start with what the Bank of Canada had to say. Well, you know, it's the same story, but I think we have to get the message from it. Uh, I loved it when Stephen Polos earlier this year said we're going to get serially disappointed by what's going on. And really, it comes right back to that decline in oil and other uh, resource activity. It's still reverberating throughout the economy. We're getting lower capital expenditures, and the result is this. We're looking at about 1.1% growth when we look at all of 2015, uh, but only 2% growth for 2016. And coming up to about 2.5% growth in 2017. Now, it's really got to be clear here. The other parts of the economy are slowly picking up. This is a resource problem. And now they project, by the way, oil to stay in around that $50 range. Oh, boy. Uh, So... You know, and I might add on Money Talks, we've had this thing nailed from the get-go. I think that a lot of financial institutions have misunderstood that we're in a deflationary environment right now. All commodity prices are taking a hit. And uh, I I also agree that I don't see oil having any kind of magic rebound here. Sure, it'll form a bottom, but we're not going to go see back those sort of even $80, $90 levels that I think a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, I remember when oil was way over 100. I'm sure Alberta wishes it was again. (laughs) Yes. Well, this new liberal government is promising to spend a lot of money on infrastructure over the next couple of years, $5 billion this year, $10 billion in each of the next couple of years. How effective will that be when it comes to boosting economic growth? Well, I'm sort of relieved that the election's over, to be honest, because you can be rational about this stuff, because it wasn't during the election campaign. And and it's both about infrastructure and deficit spending. Uh, Number one thing is, let's get real, they can only, they're saying they'll spend about $5 billion this year. We have a $2 trillion economy, you know, so we're talking such a small fraction, Mm. that's not going to do very much. Uh, You know, that's about the decline, by the way, in the capital spending in the oil industry in, what, about two and a half months this year? You know, so the other thing is this, our problems are, as I just alluded to, in the resource structure and, and, and sector, and infrastructure project, uh, projects don't address that problem. So, again, I don't see that doing very much there. Uh, and the longer-term impact, by the way, whether those are good expenditures or bad when you're talking about infrastructure projects and borrowing the money, it totally depends on what they spend the money on. Uh, and a couple of things that the Liberals have said worries me. I mean, they say they're going to split equally between public transit. I'll give it a check mark there, most projects. Uh, green projects. Projects. Uh, I'm giving it a wait and see. I don't. I suspect some bad news there. Mm-hmm. But social infrastructure that doesn't give me any confidence that the decisions as to where the money's going to go are going to be, uh, you know, done without political considerations. No, I think a lot of times we see the history uh, consistently. In fact, doesn't matter if it was a liberal government, a conservative government, political considerations consistently trumped economic ones. So. I'm kind of a little nervous on that on the longer scale, too. Well, all right, then what can the federal government do then? Well, I, and I think this is why one of the key questions, as I say, we just come on an election campaign where I made a comment uh, during that campaign is all of the things that we're uh, ascribing to the new leader, to whoever that was, whether it was a conservative or an NDP or a liberal government, what they're able to do, you know, manage the economy, control the economy. I said there was another group that called that God. If that wasn't <laughs> happening, we have such an overblown idea of what a federal government or a provincial or a municipal government can do. And so what they really can do is provide an environment that attracts capital investment. 
which has done pretty well at this point right now. But as I say, we overestimate what they can do because they can't set the commodity prices. They can't force the U.S. to buy our exports and push up the manufacturing sector. Uh, you know, so, and, and again, even the, at the federal level, uh, Mr. Truro is about to find out he can't tell them what to do at the provincial or the municipal mm-hmm. level. And a lot of times they have policies that discourage capital investment. And that's really the key. Now, just I know we're short of time, but I've got to come back to the one question. You know, if governments, and it doesn't matter what the political stripe, could pull some policy lever and create growth and jobs. My question is, why haven't they done it? Why haven't they done it throughout the world? China hasn't been able to do it. Russia hasn't. France hasn't. All of Southern Europe hasn't. UK, Norway, every government you'd ask right now wants economic growth and they want more jobs, but none have been able to accomplish it. You know, so that'd be my first question to people who sort of suggest it's going to be otherwise. Well, so what do you think the implications are of the low growth environment? Well, this is, this is worrisome, because one of the things we've talked about, Linda, and we got that big stat going back, it was a couple of weeks ago, where we saw in July, for the first time, we had more people over the age of 65 right. in the country than under the age of 15. That is going to result, I mean, these are clear numbers. The health care and pension requirements for an aging population literally mean hundreds of billions more in government spending over the next, say, 15 years. The problem is, low growth does not facilitate that. And, and I might add, you know, that we need the growth in order to produce the government revenues needed to meet the promises we've already made in terms of entitlements, uh, you know, pensions and health care as being number one, let alone other senior care issues. And I'll tell you this, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, extra tax on people making over 200000 mm-hmm. There's only 270,000 people like that in the country. That isn't getting done, you know, so we need the economic growth. Amen. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Linda. The Steel Report is coming up next.